1: By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Joining us today at Post Wrestling, one of the godfathers of professional wrestling podcasters you can see him this coming sunday part of double or nothing and he's launching a brand new show wrestling anonymous that we're going to be chatting about a pleasure welcome back here to post wrestling colt cabana colt how are you doing i'm great how are you two two of my favorites hope
2: you're well i've just uh i put a lot i've asked a lot and said a lot right there so hi
1: well, uh, on behalf of myself and Wei Ting, we have got one of two vaccine shots up here in Canada. That's that's the state of Canada right now. We're slowly catching up to uh, our American counterparts, but we're we're getting there. We're we're starting to see a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel.
2: Yeah, you know, obviously with AEW, there's a lot of Canadians in the locker room, so that's kind of always a, a piece of conversation. Is how. I don't want to say slow, but behind the Canadians are
1: when usually they're so forward thinking and everything else, right? It, it was going really slow. It's, it seems like over the last few weeks, it's really ramped up now. So that that's been a positive, but yeah, very, very slow going at, at the beginning, just uh, regarding uh, vaccines and such.
2: Well, you know, we're at AEW. We're very grateful that everyone's able to come across the border and participate in the show. So, you know, I, I think we're, what is it? We're urgent care
1: needs or whatever we are, or, Uh, We're essential workers the old wrestlers aren't we as things are starting to open up that much more and you're going to be seeing independents starting to run more and more shows are you looking like you're just itching to get back to your old schedule like how are you going to be approaching once once things start to open up uh, like after this past year. Well, just like you, I mean, uh, everyone. This
2: pandemic has kind of, you know, brought my attention to how everyone kind of acts and reacts to this thing. And I didn't really know how I would react, but I, naturally, uh, I've become very uh, anxiety-driven in a in a world where I usually had zero anxiety or any of that. So, um, I'm one of those people with the masks on, and you know, and and I'm really believing in the science, and that's just kind of how my brain works. And it's not like I had I was swayed, you know, I'm. Anyway, but
1: it's very uh, reassuring to hear.
2: Yeah. But I, so I'm a little scared to be honest. I'm not jumping yeah. right into anything. You know, I, um, people have been offering and I've, you know, just kind of been, uh, taking it slow, which is crazy. You know, I, you guys know me well enough is back in the day before pre pandemic, I'm taking everything, I'm trying to work as, as much as possible. And right now, I think the, the pandemic and the quarantine has given me a, uh, has given me a, 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 a realization of like, you know, I, I, can, I can do things at home. I can make money at home. I could be on Twitch. I can podcast. Uh, you know, gratefully, I have this uh, contract with AEW, and maybe I don't have to hustle as hard. But one thing I do miss is the, the live crowds. So I will be itching to wrestle and perform in front of a live crowd that's in front of us. You know, with AEW, it's, it's been amazing. But, of course, you know, you'll see on, on television there, like outside of the bowl, uh, you know, the AEW wrestlers are kind of inside the bowl, so it's hard to connect with those fans for me personally, and I look forward to connecting with them close, but hopefully, you know, with masks on or whatever it might be.
0: You know, I'll say for a lot of people, especially creatives, like this this whole period, um, it's been terrible, but, you know, in some cases uh it's it's allowed us to maybe I- explore ways of uh creating that we haven't and uh, of of some, you know all the wrestlers I mean I feel like you would be one of the most well equipped to expand so how have been uh, some ways that you have done that over the past year
2: Yeah very early I started I did a quarantine series for the art of wrestling and which was made me very happy because when it when it was very scary and no one knew what was happening I was able to pay some of the independent wrestlers, you know, a fee for doing, uh, a podcast spon- you know, sponsored by, by blue chew at the time. So, which was nice. And I started doing Instagram stories and I started having guests on Instagram stories. And then through that, you know, I would chop those up into YouTube, uh, clips or, or YouTube videos and try to monetize on that. And also like, I enjoyed the process of making, uh, a, a 60 minute Instagram store or insta, I'm sorry, Instagram live where I would talk with people. And I enjoyed the process of of making in that to, like, the, the best of or the highlights. And then I've, I've jumped on Twitch, and I've been loving Twitch. I think it's so much fun. There's a, a great little community there. Uh, some of the same names always come into my chat, and, you know, we've all kind of adopted the same sense of humor, which is, you know, that's the fun thing about Twitch is kind of it, it's the humor led by whoever the creator is, and so... Uh, real sarcastic snarky you know way of uh, looking at life and, and games and I'm not much of a video gamer but I've enjoyed getting into video games that's something I never I've always said I wanted to get into games I just didn't know where to start or how to do it and so um, the quarantine has allowed me to do that and um, and now of course the biggest thing here is starting Wrestling Anonymous which um, I haven't done a weekly podcast you know uh, since the art of wrestling, and you know, the art of wrestling has kind of been in seasons the last couple of years, but now I'm going straight ahead, weekly podcasting, taking anonymous Google Voice messages from people with weird, weird, bizarre, fun, any kind of story in wrestling, and I'm kind of the curator, I'm the host. So I I love that process too because there's there's an editing process and a producing process to that too which a lot of people might think that like, Oh, you're just calling and you're throwing up these phone calls. It's like, no, I'm, I'm sifting through them. I'm also editing them. And I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm picking the ones that would make a good story. And there's a lot to that and uh, I'm really enjoying it. And, um, and I just love, I love the idea of it. I'm very excited about it. I love the nostalgic aspect of, uh, in 50 years that these calls will be there for somebody, you know, uh, think recently John Arezzi has has put up like his own radio uh clips yeah his old archives yeah yeah and there's just something to like being able to hear those old fans from 1987 or whatever be like can't believe they're giving Paul Orndorff a push or whatever it is you know it's just so fun to hear a fan's perspective and so that's kind of what I'm doing here and I'm enjoying it for the now but there's a part of me who loves the romance of the nostalgia
1: who will enjoy it in 10 or 20 years. So the process is that fans have this number that they can just call in and they share the stories and then you will be going through the stories and presenting a finished product on a weekly basis.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, episode one is up already and um, I I titled it Grandpa Haku because my favorite call from the beginning is this this guy who brought his child to a show and Haku is like, I want to hold your one-year-old child and Haku's just playing... With the little kid and stretching his little hands and like, like, I don't caressing a child the way you wouldn't think of the monster killer Haku. Uh, And then at the end, Haku's like, I'm going to train you. Uh, You come and live with me one day, I'll make you the best wrestler ever. And um, we all have these stories, we all these weird stories. And for years, people asked me to, you know, fans asked me a lot to be on the art of wrestling. And it's it was hard to be like, this isn't a fan's show. It's for the wrestlers. It's a locker room chat. And so now, and and, and for, the, for the, all those years, hearing people knowing they had good and fun stories, but it wasn't the platform. Uh, I love that this can be the platform now.
1: If you're listening to this concept and maybe not uh, sure of like, how will this play out? One of the best podcasts I heard this year was uh, the New York Times, the, the, their daily podcast. They did one episode where it was all centered around a similar idea where people that are, I think it focused mainly on parents during the pandemic being at home with their children, and they just had this line with the New York Times to call in, they could vent, they could share what they're going through, and it was unbelievable the depth of what these people were willing to share with no one else on the other line just to get this out of their system. It was unbelievable to me. Like, it was really eye-opening of, like, what people have inside that they just want to share to anybody on the other side. And I think that's the importance of the anonymous anonymity i don't know if that's the word of the anonymity yes
2: anonymity there it is um is that right it is that it's just you know you're just letting it out and you're venting it out and on the first episode there's a couple i've gotten a bunch of calls about about family deaths and friends deaths and there was one about a tag team partner that had called up and was like about he called up and he's like called his old partner and it was like we want to you know, I, I think we should start a, start back up. And a couple of weeks later he had passed and, and this caller talks mm-hmm. about that process and the grieving process. And of course what wrestle you know, and all ties into wrestling. Um, I, I think one of the influence, there's a lot of influences for this show uh, over the years, but I think one of them was a podcast I used to listen to called love and radio. Um, and they once did a wonderful story on a, uh, Adrian street. And I recommend going to find that, um, but Love and Radio had a hotline uh, podcast. It wasn't every week, but every now and then they would just call. The host would host a an anonymous hotline uh, calls, mm-hmm. kind of in this in a similar way. And I always love that episode. And I think there's um, a weekly aspect to it. So, uh, yeah, I, it, right. I, I think it's it's bigger than wrestling, like you said. The New York Times and and uh, NPR type radio is kind of what I'm drawing from here. And I think that's important too for me is that. Um, you know, I have always tried to differentiate and I've always tried to make, I've always tried to make the music that I want to listen to. I've always, I've always been the wrestler that I would want to watch. And I've always been the podcaster that I would want to listen to. And I think, um, this is something that really hasn't been done on a, on a grand scale for professional wrestling. And so, uh, just like the art of wrestling, when I said, who's going to do this show? Oh, I guess I'll do it. Uh, the same thing has happened. <laughs>
0: It it seems incredibly like rare these days to have like new concepts, at least, you know, in the wrestling space when it comes to podcasting, where it seems like everything is either an interview or a review show. So I, I commend you for, you know, continuing to like trying to see what else is available out there with the medium. Um, you know, when you are taking anonymous calls, do you have any concern about perhaps trolls or perhaps stories that people that people are going to make up? You know, is there a vetting process for some of this stuff?
2: Yeah, I'm the vetting process and um you know, if you can make up an unreal story that makes me believe it, well, then I guess it's it's making the show. But also, like, I've sifted through so much BS as a wrestler over the years. I feel my brain is, is good enough to work that way and to figure out what's real and what isn't. And again, yeah, I mean, I guess you can send something that's made up, but I feel it's kind of weird. And if it's good enough, I'll put it on the show because it's probably a good enough story. And it's a storytelling podcast. Um, you know, one thing I am going to be, I have to think about is um i guess you know uh, and obviously this is nothing i want to talk about but you know i had a uh, an issue with with my last show and um and a and a court date and a, and a trial so i want to be very careful about kind of liable stuff and so uh you know det- that's one of the reasons why anonymous works for me but you know detracting names if anyone's kind of taking anyone down anonymously i it probably won't make the show you know,
1: and not going and revisiting all of that. But I, I have to imagine like that, that took a great toll, I would imagine, on your passion for this, which is going to fuel someone to be able to do a weekly podcast and keep moving forward. It's a lot of work that goes into it. Did you sort of need that time to just, you know, step away from the weekly uh, commitment? Because that, that was a significant ordeal that was on your shoulders for several years.
2: Yeah, a lot of trauma was done there, and a lot of work has been done to cut, to try to help uh, move past the trauma. But um, yeah, you know, I probably not even thinking about it, but um, probably deep in my brain somewhere, I probably did need to take a step back. And also, you know, I, I still want to do art of wrestlings, but kind of leave that behind. You know, the art of wrestling podcast feed is still up, and I, I will do. Uh, talks with my friends from time to time, but that grind was so rough. And of course, you know, with that stuff happening, uh, it's nice to kind of hit the refresh button, the restart button. And uh, it's nice that I've been able to do that. I'm still in wrestling. I love wrestling, but it's been a great restart for me. Uh, I'm with AEW now. Uh, It's such a great promotion. I'm having the time of my life. I love being in the locker room. It's a fun locker room and I love uh, the access I'm allowed to do Uh, Stuff like this, you know, I'm able to podcast, I'm able to Twitch, I'm encouraged to Twitch, uh, which is fun. Uh, And I'm, you know, I'm encouraged to podcast and uh, all at the same time, uh, being an AEW wrestler and star and coach and um, it's just it's been great.
1: What was the process? Because I really enjoyed the Road Diaries series that you were doing uh, for a while. Like these were, for those that hadn't heard them, like pretty much weekly kind of behind the scenes audio documentaries of you on the road. And I can only imagine how intensive those were to put together every week. But uh, tell me a bit about that that process for you, because I, I thought they were really well done.
2: Yeah, you know, I guess in podcasting, you just you're hoping that something catches on and becomes like the next big thing. And a little bit of me thought... This isn't something being done by wrestlers, Uh, the audio vlog, you know, with a a post produced uh, audio podcast. And so I I thought maybe it had the potential to really catch on Um, it. I talked to Ethan Page about this because I I know his struggles because every week he has to get out his camera and he has to film people and you're like, you don't want to bother people that's something that a lot of people don't think about is is we don't think about like hey can i film you and the first time is great but you know maybe after the 20th time like people are are annoyed by it so it's a fine line between that so uh that was something too that i just although i didn't mind recording people while i was at shows and recording myself it's just a fine line of like constantly being like hey can i record you for my podcast and then i don't want to be in the locker room known as the guy who's just like Here's cold. I guess he's probably going to want a podcast, you know, like he's going to want to get an audio clip for him. So, uh, so, you know, it, that was rough. It wasn't as bad as, uh, you know, the art of wrestling, I I had to, you know, grab somebody for, it was a, you know, a two hour ordeal while at a show or on the weekend. So that was even harder to grab somebody's time. So, um, what makes me happy about this is that it's, um, it's just a Google voice number. I'm not bothering any of my friends, And I could just kind of produce it and edit it by myself uh, on the road or on an airplane or at home. And so that's the main thing is that I'm not really asking too much of any of my wrestling friends. Um, I'm asking of uh, you, the wrestling fans.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's interesting is, is, I mean, now I I feel we're talking about a generation of wrestlers, you know, influenced by people such as yourself and the work that you've done uh, who... I mean, it feels like everybody kind of has their own vlog or some sort of, like, a podcast or something that they're going to be doing in the back. And so I I am just kind of curious, you know, in AEW, is there sort of a backstage culture where, like, everybody is willing to help each other out? Or is it more like, uh, is there a lot of concern amongst people about not wanting to bother others, especially when it comes to video work, which is, you know, which everybody seems to be doing now?
2: Yeah, and then... You know, right now, Cody has the ultimate vlog backstage because they're filming a reality show. Um, that's right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, you know, and there was an email sent out being like, hey, you know, we've got this, you know, there'll be a camera. They'll be very mindful of you. Uh, and the last couple of weeks that, you know, I, I've seen the cameras, but like they're great. It's a great crew. They, they don't bother anybody. And that's that's the best part. I, I think that it's just in everyone's mindset. Like we know, being the elites a big deal, and Sammy's vlog and and people and Ethan's vlog, and people are, yeah, that's part of the business now. And so it's just out and about, and uh, everyone seems to ask, you know, permission. And I think everyone wants to help everybody. I, not that I got like yelled at, but I, I'm kind of getting a label now because um, I like to like when my friends find out that I. Work for AW, or I find out that you know, like, if someone like loves the Young Bucks or loves Kenny Omega, I'm never afraid to be like, "Hey, Kenny, will you do a? Two- will you say happy birthday to Charlie? He's eight, or will you sign this thing for, um, you know, this uh, Pride charity or whatever it is?" And I, I think it's because I have you know over two decades, and and I'm very comfortable with all of my wrestlers and uh, and all of my friends that I'm able to do this, but I, I love the fact that we can change lives and it takes one second. Um, and so I, I feel a lot of my friends feel the same way. And everyone's always, you know, Matt Hardy's someone who's always happy to film a video for a little kid who found out, you know, through my real life friend's mom, that I was a a wrestler or whatever it is and can't believe it. And so um, I love doing that stuff. And I feel a lot of the wrestlers, like you said, this is, it's a kind of a newer generation, and uh, it seems that everybody's okay with it but you know I think naturally everybody is is aware you know not you know especially in wrestling because that's the culture is you know not to piss anybody off and a lot of people are people are on eggshells just in general not necessarily at AEW but that is a general thing so people are aware and cautious but it is an open friendly place that uh, I think everyone's willing to kind of do anything for anyone which is cool but also I look at it a different aspect you know I'm not one of these uh, rookie wrestlers you know I've I've been around for so long so I feel very confident and comfortable so I can't speak for the person who's a three-year wrestler who's on dark who isn't contracted who has a vlog but is scared to do it you know so I have to look at it from their their end too
1: yeah it, it almost feels like now if, if you're someone breaking in and you are that that three-year wrestler like this is such a huge part uh, of the game and and I looked at just kind of the mentality of maybe some of your forward-thinking wrestling schools that could be introducing a lot of like this kind of technical training that, yeah, we can spend all these hours in the ring, but it's also video editing. Like that's a huge part now. Uh, Like it's, it's pretty much, it's, you're no longer an outlier. It's like, this is kind of mandatory that you are trying to get a presence for yourself out there and it can be very difficult.
2: Yeah, but I as I teach when I do wrestling classes or whatever it is, you have to be great at wrestling. Like, you can get over with the video stuff, but if you're not over in the ring or know the the aspects of wrestling, it's not going to last and we've seen that with so many people. So, um it it, it people do come to me. People do want me to teach like social media and that kind of stuff for wrestling classes, but I believe that the fundamentals are so important before any of this stuff. And, yes, and I tell people that want to get into wrestling, I say learn Spanish, learn Photoshop, learn editing, learn all these things. They're going to be the best tools for you to to move your career forward like they did for me. But, boy, you you know, being the wrestler wrestler is the most important part. And, you know, I, I was there when I saw the Young Bucks turn. You know, they turned everything, but they were – because at that time they were such great wrestlers and then they figured out the social media part or whatever it is. Um, so that's number one, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it's ready to be a class yet, or maybe like an extra class or, uh,
1: that, that's what I'm saying. Like it's, yeah. a, it's an add on, like it is, yeah. it is a part of, of the entire equation. If you're looking at if you're taking us back and you're 21 year old Colt Cabana in 2021, how would you be u- utilizing Twitter for, for yourself? Um, Because I think like it seems to be a common theme that most once you get to a certain level, it's like the toxicity is very, very demanding and people taking a bit of a step back. But it's for for that younger audience, like like how would you be utilizing something like Twitter in this very, very, very tribal nature that it is today?
2: I mean, I think I use it the same way that I use it today. And I think I did use it the same. You know, I guess when I was 30 and I started on Twitter is just the same way I want to be the podcaster that I want, you know, that I like to listen to. I want to be the, 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 the Twitter that I like to follow. You know, I, I, I follow the people that I like to see their tweets and those are the people that's how I would form my, how I, how I tweet. So I don't, I don't like uh, people on Twitter that post every second, you know, I either mute them or don't follow them. Um, I don't like people who are constantly, you know, you know, hitting on, hitting on people not uh sexually but like uh, you know knocking people down taking people right. down a step so I mean, these are just uh social media stuff that i do not like and i do not follow and it's the practice that i i don't follow either so i i i tweet the same way that i like to follow on twitter and i think i would be the, i think i would be the same way in my youth too
0: I'm curious um, because something that I, I often think about is just um, the path to monetization when, when it comes to, you know, content creation. It, it's, you know, so often um, so many ideas can really come about it. But be, to be able to, to turn it into, you know, fi- finances and to be able to turn it into solid money is a whole different, almost like – Something you kind of have to stumble into at at times because there's so many different ways of doing it. Um, I'm curious for you with like, you know, this new project and maybe some of your other projects. Are you even thinking about that at this point or, or are you just kind of doing what feels good creatively?
2: Uh, what feels good creatively. And, you know, same with the, when I started the art of wrestling, I was, I knew that there would be success to it, but I didn't think of it in, term, in terms of monetization. And same with wrestling. Like I knew that there would be success to wrestling, you know, uh, if I stuck with it when I was 18 years old, but I never, I just never thought of the money aspect. And this is the same, I'm trying to be the, I, I don't want to lie to you and say it's not, you know, fully for monetization because I know I, I now have the tools to realize how it's done. And I, and yes, I'm trying, you know, hopefully this, podcast becomes huge and that happens but also I love the concept and I love the work and I love the hustle of it so um so for me it's not like trying to get that money and I remember being at a, a wrestling convention with Eric Bischoff and this was very early when like no I was still you know me Jericho and Stone Cold maybe were the only ones with the podcast and he was like being like well if I can't make six figures there's no point and I was just like well then what do you i don't know what to tell you like i started a thing it took off and now i make some money but like you know it was it was passion driven i i i can't help you i don't know what to tell you and, and luckily you know i guess he's i don't know what 83 weeks does but i'm sure it's he does fine um if not good enough, otherwise he probably wouldn't be in the in the space so but for me like everything it's not trying yeah and also as a wrestler I, I, I stick to like how I grew up in wrestling, making 20 bucks, making 30 bucks. I just, I feel to me like making 30 bucks is amazing. You know? So when I see on YouTube that I made 20 bucks from a video, I I jump for joy. I think that's so cool. Um, and then, you know, when you've put up a thousand videos and if they make 20 bucks, then all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, this stuff kind of adds up. And that's, that's the exciting part for me is uh, making it. And then like, you know, maybe a couple of years later you see like, Whoa,
1: hey, I make money at this. This is nice. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the the interview you just put out with Orange Cassidy and kind of yeah. going into an interview like that. And, you know, for me, like when I do interviews, like I, I go back to one where it, this was back when he was with WWE and I was, it was one of those WWE phoners with Cody Rhodes. So I'm prepared to do this interview with Cody Rhodes. I get on the phone and it's like, I'm on the phone with Stardust and I pretty much have to think on the fly. I can either just be really difficult here and the interview is going to be terrible. But what I ended up doing was pretty much asking every question I wanted, but into this, knowing it's this character I'm talking to. And it ended up, I was really proud with this thing by, by the end of it. And I don't say that about all my interviews, but I was very happy with how that turned out. And I would imagine for you with your comedy background and such that an interview like that presents a bit of a challenge that comes with it, but also like a very different spin so i I'm just curious like how you approach an interview like that where it's like it's it's not like one of your traditional sit down one on one interviews with one of your buddies
2: yeah, well, I knew what I was getting into with that yeah and that and it, it and it was essentially set up as a sketch, a comedy sketch, and it was done as um a commercial to get people to go to wrestling Anonymous. I did get a phone call from my mother going, Oh, I just listened to that. Or he was so difficult to work with. <laughs> and she's like, he's kind of, he's, he has no uh, energy or, and I, I found it very funny. So um, yeah, for me, that was kind of, uh, I knew what I was getting into. I knew what it was. Um, and I wanted to have, I don't know if you're familiar with the Gallagher interview with Mark Marin.
1: I've uh, yes.
2: I've heard that one. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's kind of years, infamous though. where Gallagher just walks off and It's an interview, an interview that just went wrong. And it's, you know, it's kind of made lore in the WTF podcast uh, or uh, history or whatever. So um, that was kind of my idea was to kind of have that type of interview for Art of Wrestling, which is, is something I never had. It's always been my friends. And of course, Orange Cassidy is is my friend. But this is something that I thought would be fun. We could do it kind of quickly in the back at AEW and it would help me promote my new podcast, Wrestling Anonymous at podcast now
0: if it was an out of character interview with orange cassidy i think i would have been disappointed like he's somebody who i want to like only see play this character maintaining this sort of illusion and i thought like that interview gave you exactly what you wanted out of an orange cassidy like quote unquote you know art of wrestling podcast
2: yeah. it's great way so it's great that he i love it i love that he he keeps it he doesn't you know i i asked him like once like is this something you'd be interested in? he's like absolutely not and I know other people, other podcasters have asked and not. And he told me afterwards, he goes, that was the most I've ever talked in a in a podcast interview or anything. I was like, really? <laughs> you didn't talk at all. So how Hilarious.
1: would you like I know, like, obviously, you're a very different character. But for, for someone like, like Dan Housen and he gets on Conan O'Brien's podcast, I mean, at, at what point, like, do you? Preserve the integrity of this character when you get such an incredible platform um, like that's that's always kind of an interesting balancing act for people who choose to really be so uh, attached to the character and not let the facade down. Yeah. And I think, you know, Orange
2: there was giant, um, you know, like ESPN or even like don't quote me on that, um, but but something like ESPN or even bigger platforms. That wanted to do stuff with Orange Cassidy and he was like, no. And then then that's why you'll see Chuck and and Trent with him is they'll take over the talking and they wanted just Orange Cassidy. He's like, sorry.
0: Yeah, that's having like, uh, you know, spent so much time now on BTE um, and especially with the Dark Order who, you know, are pretty much the stars of that show at this point. Um, can you, do you have any more insight into maybe, um, their creative process, maybe what makes it work for them? And really like, if you don't mind discussing maybe some of the behind the scenes of how you guys put those segments together. Sure. Um, do you want like the, the, B- the BTE, the overall stuff like other people or, uh, well, I, I guess I wanted to maybe get a sense of maybe you now being inside BTE, you know, getting a sense of how they put the show together, but as well as the individual Dark Order segments.
2: Yeah, it's still a lot of uh, Brandon Cutler is there and he does a lot of work um and he deserves his two contracts. He's always running around with he's editing. And I think Nick still does a lot of editing, too. And and. What I love is that the Bucks know that even though they're on national television and international superstars, they know that being the elite is kind of what got them to the dance and brought it all together. And they take a lot of pride in it, which is really nice. And it's still a mom and pop thing for the most part. It's Brandon running around with the camera and, you know, like a Bose microphone or whatever it is uh, over it. And sometimes they'll get, you know, like the real production people to to help with some of the editing, but for the most part it's Brandon and, and it's, um, And it's Nick Jackson. And I don't know if I'm supposed to tell this, but you know, Hangman is um, is a great editor, too. So he'll help out too every now and then. And they're still part of that, like, you know, elite circle, (laughs) they all Mm -hmm. help each other out. And for us, uh, you know, for me, you know, because uh, I wasn't necessarily supposed to be in the dark order. uh, But circumstances have kind of led to that, you know, I've held now a permanent place there. And they had their thing going. And it was hard for me to want I didn't want, I didn't want to jump in too early with them and be like, I'm taking over. I'm the guy, you know, or not the guy, but like I'm the haha ha guy and I have ideas. So I, I was very quiet and I kind of slowly eased myself in and found a place because, you know, John and Alex and Uno and Stu, they all did such a great job of really going from nothing to something. They really made themselves, which is very important. And it's it's something really that they should uh, have a tip of the hat to for making themselves on that show. And so I slowly wanted to ease myself into it. And there's a group text and there's a group chat and everyone's throwing ideas around. And uh, it's a lot of uh, improv. You know, it's a skeleton of an idea. And then we just kind of turn it on and people just put in jokes um, that they've written or put in jokes that are kind of improv and that's always the fun part is to to watch everybody kind of improv and be fun. It's a really fun group. Um, and I, I, you know, I, obviously John, John is very funny and Alex is very smart and Alex has a lot of Alex would be, will make a great producer one day. A lot of people don't give mm-hmm. Alex Reynolds a lot of credit, but he's a, he's a very smart mind and has a, has a, has a creative mind too. And, um and I, I, there's something that I don't know, maybe Uno does get a lot of credit, but he's very quick witted and very funny. And, um, and I, I really enjoy working with all of them. Us Canadians, we're very quick on our feet. Yeah. I, you know, I don't want, I don't want to give you credit, but I will.
0: (laughs) It's really incredible how like that sort of system has brought out so much personality from everybody attached to that thing. Um, and yeah, like specifically, even like somebody like Stu Grayson, who really would have had no sense of personality wise, I think has really come out of the shell. So, um, that's, that's great.
1: Well, Colt, let's uh, give everyone the opportunity, if you want to get the the number out, um, that they can uh, call in for Wrestling Anonymous. And also, I mean, you can subscribe to Wrestling Anonymous. The first episode uh, is up now.
2: Yeah, uh, it's a Google voicemail, 87, Cabana, 34. Uh, I like to say Emery Moorhead, uh, who was my, my buddy's dad on the Chicago Bears. He was number 87, Cabana 34, Kirby Puckett, my favorite uh, baseball player of all time. And uh, put it in your phone. And so I, I'm hoping as we start going to more shows, people will have experiences. And if you have an experience, uh, give a call. And you could do it on the moment. So it doesn't have to be one call. If something cool happens uh, in the moment or in the past, give a call. And uh, and this is a very um, – it's an easy show to listen to. So, I mean, I, I hope you listen every single week. But it's also something you can just drop into. And uh, if you need you know, to kill a half hour on – on the treadmill or whatever it is, you can also kind of just drop into and listen at any time. So wrestling anonymous, wherever you listen to the, your podcast, double or nothing is coming up. I'm going to be in the battle Royal. I'm very excited. Um, I, I love the opportunity to be on pay-per-view to be in the show. I love to be a part of the show. I just, it's, there's, a lot of huge matches. It's very exciting. AEW is on fire. You know, we're by ourselves. I was going to say we're by ourselves now on Wednesday night, but now I think we're going to be on Friday night this week. And there's a lot of stuff with the NBA playoffs. But and then of course the move to TBS, which is coming. So uh, it's it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan, and I love being a
1: part of it. The King of Spades in the Casino Battle Royal.
2: Yeah, every Cole everybody Cabana. everybody had everybody was given the graphic with them as, as King of Spades. But I thought it would be fun to, on my Twitter to say that I was the King of Spades, even though everybody has the same graphic.
1: Well, Colt, uh, thanks so much for uh, jumping on with us, having this uh, extended chat with us. All the best of success uh, w- with the podcast. I know a lot of people are going to be very intrigued by uh, th- this new format, and it sounds like a really, really interesting concept uh, that we look forward to checking out. Well, thank you very much. And once
2: again, I love what you guys do. It's so great. It's a great. Su- you're, you guys are a great success story in pro wrestling, and uh, you're two of the best. So congratulations and keep it up.